I really like the way Amy um, made a point of saying, you know, certain so songs, um, if you're a believer, it's all about Jesus Christ. And uh, if you're not a believer, and he made that point, he hopes by the end of this service that maybe you'll become a believer. I mean, that's every, every believer's hope is that those that they know and love or they don't even know uh, would become believers and be able to share in that, the wonderful joy of knowing our sins are forgiven. I spoke with a, a woman on Friday who was very uh, insulted that I would even insinuate that she had any sin to be forgiven of. And so I took her through some of the laws I'm apt to do, uh, you know, asking her if she had lied, stolen, or used God's name in vain as an example. I just took her through some of the Ten Commandments, but she, she was, you know, in, in, in a state of denial more than anything because she wanted to continue to live an immoral lifestyle, which she thought that I somehow was, was uh, uh, speaking against, but I had never mentioned anything about uh, homosexuality. It was just that her conscience, obviously, um, w was convicted, I, would, I hope to think, but I pray that, uh, th th that uh, if you're not a believer here, and, and the Lord is, is working on your heart, on your conscience, it, it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to see yourself in need of Jesus Christ as a Savior. And that's why if you go through the Ten Commandments, and sometimes I cut right to the chase. I'll say, because I'm going through it, and they're just sort of, you know, I say, are you perfect? You know, cut to the chase. Are you perfect? Oh, no, no, I'm not perfect. That's right. None of us are perfect. Only, only God is perfect. And uh, morally, uh, uh, in all ways, you know, we're made in his image. We're morally accountable to him. And that's why we need a savior. And to get people to the point, if you're not a believer here this, this morning, to the point where you not only acknowledge that you, you have sinned against God, but that your, your sin will find you out one day. You know, there is a day coming. There's a day of judgment coming. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 says that it, um, it's appointed for man once to die and after this the judgment. So there is a judgment day coming. But God in his grace and mercy interceded on our behalf, offers Jesus Christ to the world, and all those who would come to him in faith can have their sins forgiven and be washed away. All your sins can be gone, and you can spend eternity in heaven with God. So, in a nutshell, maybe I've gone a bit of ahead, but I will be speaking of that as we go through it. The title of this message today, I've called Truth Has Fallen in the Street. It's from Isaiah 59, verse 14. Uh, what I would like to do is I'd like to read and... Uh, go through some part of what's happened here in Isaiah 59, uh, read through the chapter. So starting at, at, at verse 1, and I'll be referring in this passage partly from the New King James and partly from the New Living Translation, which is a wonderful translation. Uh, Emi was using it uh, a lot this morning, and it, it is a very, very excellent uh, um, translation. Uh, so here it is in Isaiah 59. There it is. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. So, it's a common thing. We're, Israel is separated from God because of their sin. Mankind is separated from God because of their sin. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. 
No one calls for justice, and in the New Living Translation it says, no one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies, they conceive evil deeds, and then give birth to sin. And so many things that we read in the Word are reminiscent. You go, oh, I've heard something like that somewhere else. When else have we heard that sin leads to death? Because it, when sin, um, what's the scripture? It's in James, sorry. It's when um, sin leads to death. Let's just put it, <laughs> leave it at that. Sin gives birth to death and death through sin. Okay, so sorry about that. Uh, so reading on it says, no one calls for justice nor does any plead for truth. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and, and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. So Isaiah is basically slamming them for their behavior, the things that they've done. And uh, the people, interestingly enough, sin is confessed, therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope with the wall, for the wall with the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears, we moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Doesn't that sound a lot reminiscent of David when he was talking uh, and confessing his sin in Psalm 51? It's, it's the same pattern. There's that conviction of sin. There's that um, acknowledgement of sin. You know, not trying to hide it or justify it. Uh, in transgression and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. In other words... Just like in the New Testament, we read people who become born again, who are saved, their friends can't get it, that they don't want to join in with those things that we've done before, with the things that, because we're new creations in Christ, those things no longer have precedence in our lives. And so, anytime we as believers stand for truth, stand for good, stand for righteousness, there's going to be pushback. It, it, it's the way it is in the world, and we see that, I mean, in so many ways, which I'll, I'll touch on in a few briefly. Um, he depart, uh, then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him. There was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. So, there was no one to intercede for the people. I mean, Christ in all the scriptures... It, just as God saw that people, him and us, were 
with, without any hope of getting out of the mess that we're in because of sin, he himself comes down in the form of Jesus Christ, his son, and, 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 and sheds his blood for us. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Kind of like in Ephesians. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. That's the judgment. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, the coastlands he will fully repay. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob. Or in the New Living Translation, it says the Redeemer, will, the Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. What a wonderful promise to the nation of Israel. There was over a thousand prophecies in the Bible. About 500 of them have been fulfilled. There's another 500 to go. And during the millennial period, we're going to see a lot of those prophecies come true um, or come to fruition. So, truth has fallen in the streets. You've probably heard the expression, I dropped the ball on that one, or he dropped the ball, or to be inclusive, she dropped the ball, or a business team, they dropped the ball in the O'Leary account, you know. We all drop the ball one way or another. The context surrounding these verses has to do with the nation of Israel once again, ignoring the commands of God and failing to uphold that righteous standard of truth. Confronted with their sin, they acknowledged and lamented their sin. Their unjustified admission of their guilt sounds a lot like David's confession, right? Once repentance is brought to the forefront, God steps in. He intercedes on the behalf of the unbeliever and also as the believer. And we read about that, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he looks at the people, he sees their need, that they're humble, there's contrition, and then God steps in, and he stepped into to, to, to our world. You know, B.C., before Christ, A.D., means uh, in the year of our Lord, um, now they want to call it CE, Common Era. It's like they want to somehow erase any reference to God, any reference to Jesus Christ, any reference of him coming into the world. I find that, I find it's not Common Era, it's Common Error, really, when you think about it. Sin is acknowledged, it's forsaken, God intercedes on the people's behalf, God restores them, they are once again re reconciled to God. It's the same pattern that God uses when a person is born again, confrontation of sin. God, through the Holy Spirit, brings the knowledge of sin to the sinner via the conscience, which is awakened through the preaching of the moral law. Then an honest acknowledgement of sin and contrition. Internal turning from sin to him, there is that change of mind that changes in one's thinking that leads to a change in behavior. And God intercedes by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. 
person is born again or born spiritually from above. So that's what the whole idea is, us as believers here in the world, to convey that, that precious truth. It's the gospel. So many things are, are out of whack in the world, and I'm going to go and touch on some of those. But it really is, uh, uh, th this chapter, a testament and a testimony to uh, what's happening in the world today. I mean, God's word is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change, and that's why it's able to not only forecast what's coming through prophecy, but it, it's a snapshot of what, what's going on in the world today. So we see that God is displeased that there is no one to intercede. You know, it almost reminds of when Jesus groaned within himself as the people wept over Lazarus, and he himself wept. Uh, the, the devastation of sin, death, weeping. And he came to abolish all of those things. What did Jesus do to defeat the devil in the wilderness? You all know. I know a lot of you know this. He lifted up the truth, right? He unfurled the banner of truth and held it high, unwavering. And this, this world in which we live, not being our home, the, the, the weapon is the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. Uh, and in our homes, we find that, you know, the hardest thing I find as a Christian, one of the hardest things, is applying that, the truth. God's word in our everyday walk of life. For example, many things in the world seem innocent or neutral morally, but like everything sinful man puts his hand to, it invariably ends up in catering to the lust of our eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. Take television... Movies, entertainment, as an example, we're inundated with the world's agenda to make the sinful mainstream. You can't watch the majority of anything, it seems, too long before you hear God's name irreverently used in amongst a multitude of swear words, profanity that would make a sailor blush. Premarital sex has become so normal that it barely even registers on the conscience of people. And because the world is taking its cue from a steady diet of sitcoms or reality shows, the motto becomes everybody's doing it. Not to mention the video games that I won't go into detail, but people are chilling with their online friends as they rob, murder, and destroy all to gratify their every carnal desire. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy of our souls, he, he's playing for keeps. If he can't continue to blind the minds of unbelievers, he will try to get through to us as believers through a multitude of ways. God says to us, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Don't allow the filth of the world to enter through ungodly TV shows that treat marriage or godly values with disdain. 1 Peter 5 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The power of darkness wants to get a foot in the door of your home through online pornography. You know those pop-up ads that come up? That's not coincidence. That's tailor-made. I know so many, it's a sad thing, I shouldn't say so many, but I know quite a few people who have tragically, as believers, fallen, stumbled through pornography. 
don't give the devil, do not give him a foothold in your life. God has equipped us. We can say no. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Husbands, guard your marriage. Read the words together with your wife. Seek to be the best husband or father by putting away the evil that so wars against your family. It's not the time to fall asleep, saints, at the wheel. Your family's counting on you. Stay in the word. Obey what you read. Strive to be the best person that God wants to make you into. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your life. Read it and obey the word. Without God, it's impossible. Many people that I've talked to on the street, they say, I can't, I can't get over this. I can't get past this. I can't get through their addiction, whatever it is. And I have the wonderful joy of telling many people the gospel on the street, telling them that there is hope, that there is a future, that there is um, freedom, freedom from those things that enslave us. The devil doesn't have to do a lot with the drugs or the alcohol or pornography. He chiefly works through deception. Do you know how a lion hunts? It, it, it cuts off the, the weak, the lame, the, the sick from the herd and takes them down. Spiritually, the devil wants to keep you weak in your study and reading of the word of God lame in your desire to please God, and sick in your complacency. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, it says, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Do not be a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. Overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And when you see the world today, it's so easy to just say, oh, I, 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 this is too much. David McDonald was saying how much last month and even this month the, the, the constant barrage of, of displaying of the rainbow flag, etc. And it, it, it's a bit much. It's like, wow, just want to go home, close the doors and just be out of the way of that for, for a moment or two. But you know, then David said, David McDonald said, but that's why we're here. And that's why, that's why God has raised us up. That's why he saved our souls. Endless compromises are at the door of our everyday decisions. We make concessions to avoid conflict, and most people just want to try and get along. But when our politicians or our positions on fundamental truth, truth being that which corresponds with reality, erode truth to mere opinion, then we see exactly what we see in our world today. People so deluded in thought that some are convinced, well, they're deceived. I mean, that's, that's how he works, right? Deception. Into thinking that we're living in some kind of, that pe people are so deceived that they think they're living in some kind of a simulation and are not really even existing at all. Some people are so mixed up in their thinking that they don't believe that God exists or that they exist. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. 
The devil in darkness has blinded the minds of the children of disobedience, or as the Lord Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And I tell many people on the street, and I love to tell them this, I says, you, you, can, you can be a child of God. When you die, when you stand before God, he's, you can look at him as your father, and he looks at you as his child, rather than if you die in your sin, God is a just judge who looks on you as a guilty criminal and you look at him as a judge, an impartial judge, and there's nothing at that point to, to stay God's hand of, of vengeance. Think about it. The power of darkness wants to destroy every facet of truth since the beginning. For example, in the beginning, God is exchanged for millions of years ago. There was nothing, and nothing created everything. Romans 1.25 says, they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. In the beginning he created the male and female. There's such a divine correlation between Genesis and the first chapter of Romans, right? God says this, people say this. There's a divine correlation. God says you have no other gods before him and you shall not bow down and worship them, meaning anything but him alone. You know, people starve in some countries while sacred cows roam around on the, on the street. People have gone from worshipping the one true and living God to worshipping and bowing down to false gods through their false religions and worshipping mere creatures to finally declaring that God doesn't exist. We can do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whomever we want. We've gone from Adam naming the animals to letting children name their gender. From God saying, let us make man in our image to, you're just an animal. Don't let Darwin make a monkey out of you. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We've gone from, in Genesis 9:16, as I said earlier, the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth, to the hijacking of the rainbow, to celebrating sin and love of self. Wow, the irony of it all. But that's why we're here. Truth has fallen in the street. We've got to pick it up, dust it off, lift it high. What about when Jesus said in Matthew 18, 6, but whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now children are being exposed to depravity in the guise of drag queen story hour. We have churches that profess to know God, but in works they deny him. They have a form of godliness, but deny its power. As I said earlier, we've gone from B.C. and A.D. to C.E. When people say to me, Jesus never, exist, never existed, they'll say something like that. I'll say, well, what year is it? And they'll say 2022. And, and then A.D., meaning the year of our Lord, right? 
and then they just have to, they have got to find another way to get around these things that are obvious. Uh, whether, you, whether you think that was constructed done during the time of the Romans or how they came up with that, the, the overwhelming truth that's out there, just, they just need to see it. They just need to hear it. Hearing comes, faith comes by hearing by the word of God. So they, they have to hear it. I asked a fellow what happens after you die, and his friend said, you know, after I mentioned to him about that there's judgment coming, Hebrews 9.27, and he says, you don't know that. No one has ever come back from there to tell us. I mean, the irony, Jesus Christ <laughs> came back from the dead. No one's ever come back. The, the one who created heaven, the one who created all things, yeah, he comes back. He's our source of truth. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. In other words, don't partake in that. Be careful because you can... You can be so easily pulled into those things. You know, I would love the Lord to show me, because I'm going to heaven, to show me, and so are you if you've been born again. I, I would love to see, I don't know if it'd be on a jumbotron or whatever, but to show me, I would like to see them, Noah building the ark. Wouldn't you like to see that? Wouldn't you like to see them, him and his family, they're working, they're building the ark. And then the animals come. God leads the, the, there they are. There they're going. Amazing. I, I'd love to see that, you know. The actual, I guess, movie, the film of it, whatever. You know what I don't want to see? I don't want to see those people and hear those people outside after, G, after, after the ark was closed up and the rain fell, screaming and pounding on that ark laughing until they could tread water no more. A man asked me the other night, what kind of a God would send someone to hell for an insignificant lie? He underestimated the utter holiness of God and the terrible sinfulness of man. And it's only when we're confronted with truth and we receive that truth that it all starts to make sense. Otherwise, you have people doing exactly what they're doing. I mean, isn't this exactly what we'd expect in this world to see once they deny that God exists and that they can do whatever they want with whoever they want, whenever? Wouldn't you like to see Jesus when he was multiplying those loaves and the fish? They're sitting down in groups of 50 on the side of the mountain. But when he spoke to the woman at the well and offered her living water, I had a, a woman on Friday, I gave her a track that said, are you thirsty? That's one of the ones that we use on the street. And they were laughing, the, the, these, these young ladies. And she came up, she ran up to me afterwards with the track and she says, I read it, here, here, I've read it. I says, no, you keep it. And, I, and, and she did keep it. 
And I said, it, it's more than about just thirst. It's about the living water. You keep that, I said. And she did, which is nice. It's nice when they take it and they go home and maybe they'll ponder it again. Lord willing. We've heard the expression, it's falling on deaf ears. So when a person willfully ignores advice and the word of God is full of it, we have to read it, we have to open it. We have to, because it's our only source of truth. It's the only, only way we're going to continue to keep our perspective proper. Let the love of God swallow your fear of man. We've gone from Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts, 139, 13. You covered me in my mother's womb. The NIV renders it, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Or Luke 1:41, as and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We've gone from that to a total over the last 50 years of 1.6 billion abortions worldwide. 1.6 billion image bearers made in the image of God murdered. And yet God is so willing to forgive us all these things, all the atrocities. I mean, think about it. Abortion alone, more... The atrocities of World War II pale in comparison, and that was horrible enough if you've ever seen Holocaust footage. It, it's, it's heart-wrenching. That's what we're capable of. That's what the human heart is like. And even though on the street many times people will say, I'm a good person, I've got a good heart. Well, no, Jesus says you don't. Jesus says you are of your father, the devil. And that's why we need to be made sons and daughters of Christ, sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. We've gone from Genesis 9-6, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man, to allowing murderers to remain on death row for decades and governments avoiding capital punishment in the name of compassion while the victim's blood and the families impacted cry out for justice. The sanctity of life has been replaced with the depravity, the culture of death, People are assisted in the suicide. There's something called the suicide pod. I don't know if, if David or some, someone else made a reference to it. They think that they're helping ease these people who are in terrible pain, I'm sure. And they've lost hope. And they're actually making it worse, right? Because they're going to enter into eternity. And what happens when you enter into eternity without your, son, your sins forgiven? Yeah, that's right. Judgment forever. So the stakes are high. Most people, they'll pick up a religion or a frame of mind that suits their lifestyle to accommodate whatever they do. It's just to justify their sin. You know, I had a boss who would show up at the job site unexpectedly. One time I was sweeping up an area, tucked in behind a concession stand, and I was just sweeping and sweeping. 
I'd gone into a corner where no one could have seen me, and as I turned around to continue sweeping, as I swept, I looked up, and there was my boss standing right there. It's like, hello. <laughs> you know? And um, he was very happy to see that I was working. I was, too. <laughs> of course, my dad said to me, I'll get you this job, but you've you got to keep it. So, so I was, I, I, I was just... It was happy, I was happy that I was doing those, what I was supposed to be doing. And we as believers, when Christ returns or, or we're caught up in the air with him one way or another, we're going to see him. And we want to be about our Father's business, right? We do. We want to be sharing the good news with people, our neighbors. My neighbor got saved when I was talking to her husband about the Lord a little bit, and I gave him a gospel tract, but she took the tract and she ended up getting saved. Praise God! I mean, I wasn't, I was just, I, this was my neighbor. I thought, oh, man, I gotta talk to him. I mean, I have to. Tracks are so good, you guys. They're so good. You can just, hey, would you mind reading this? Tell me what you think. Did you get one of these? I mean, on the street. There's so many people sometimes. You just go, here you go. Here you go. It's just like you don't have time to even say that because there's so many people out there. Uh, I went to an exhibit years ago. And part of that exhibit was on criminal behavior and forensics. Forensics, for those who don't know, can be defined as scientific tests or techniques used in the investigation of crime. One of the displays had examples of counterfeit money. And upon first looking at the money, it looked, it looked, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty authentic. But upon closer inspection, you know, you could see these, these variations in it. You know, a counterfeit is designed or defined as made in exact imitation of something valuable or important with the intention to deceive. You know, we're so easily deceived. We're so easily deceived. What chance do the lost have without hearing the truth? No chance whatsoever. Zero chance. That's why Jesus said, go. Best way to know it is to know the original. Know the truth. Deep knowledge of the truth will expose the shallow lie or the deception. That's why people are wandering around and they don't know what, what gender they are. They, they have no idea what God, God demands of them because their consciences have been seared. They're sincere, but they're sin-seared. Their sin will find them out. Our sin, as believers, we keep short accounts with God, right? And we should. Examine yourself every day and, and ask the Lord to show you if there's anything that you should be doing. That's why when we read his word, it's like, okay, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to do those things that God has called me to do, whether it be faithful to my wife or to, to, to teach my children truth. You know, there's an, an ultimate counterfeit coming, a counterfeit of Jesus it's the Antichrist. And we're well on the way to, you know, we could be, as believers, there, our timeline is for when the Lord could, could, could take us out, snatched away, the rapture. Could be any time. There's a period of time between the rapture and when the tribulation starts. Who knows how long that'll be. The world will be in such chaos at that point that someone's going to step in and solve all the problems, and they think they're going to be doing okay as they follow him, and they're not. 
they're going to be deceived. God gives people over to strong delusion. The only way to put out the fire and flames of deception is with the extinguisher of falsehood and false thinking, it's the truth. Training and identifying the lie begins by studying intimately, studying the genuine, the truth. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, truth hasn't just fallen in the street. Common sense has done a face plant. I mean, it's good to be realistic about the situation. It's good to see it as it really is. And that's what the truth does. It exposes that, right? And then we can say, okay, we see this is happening. And as much as we detest being around, it's not us going and hiding away. It's us being here in the world, but not of the world. Our job as believers is to be truth-tellers, to tell the truth, to tell ourselves the truth, be transformed by the ruining of our minds, to tell our loved ones the truth, to tell the world the truth, in love, in kindness, in frankness, in fullness, in accordance with wherever we are, with whomever we are, and with godly discernment. Truth is falling in the streets. Let's pick it up, dust it off, eat it, consume it, believe it, obey it, because he's coming back. We need to be about his business. You know, faith is believing something to be true because God has said it. And Jesus said, I've come that they might have life. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Only one way to navigate through these storms of life is with a reliable compass. And people are lost in the fog of sin. And they're looking just like the Israelites were well, for a way out of it, out of the misery. And we have the truth. I had a coworker who had a poster in his office and it said, a ship is safe in the harbor, but that is not what it was made for. God has not saved us to reside in protective shoals of our making. We are to venture out into the deep truths contained in his word and sail the sea of humanity, safe in the ark which is Christ afloat on a sea of God's promises, unsinkable. Let us spend and be spent in service to our God through faith and obedience to the captain of our souls. He said, go. So for those here that are still unbelievers, there's judgment coming. And you could die tonight. And you'll be standing before God. Every secret sin will be manifested. There'll be no mercy then. Mercy is found on this side. You know, the only, only safe place to be... Uh, in a, when a fire is going on and you've seen them all over the world, you know where the only safe place to be? It's where the fire has already burned. And that's what happened at Calvary. The fire of God's wrath burned on Christ himself. It's the only safe place. Only safe place to be is, is in Christ. <clears throat> so God's got to do that work in you. You've got to want him to do it. You've got to see your plight, your sin, 
the eternal consequences that have been wrought through your sin and you repent, your thinking changes, your direction, you have been going changes, then you call upon the Lord, he cleans you up. Don't think you gotta do a bunch of good deeds, come now. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking somehow that God won't accept them unless they do a bunch of things that, that we as human beings are thinking that are, mo- are noble, right? But we're to look to him, just like, the, just, just, just like they did before the cross. They looked to the savior of the world. They knew one was coming. And we know one's coming. He's coming back. Don't try to establish for you as people who are still unbelievers. It's a glorious thing this morning. We celebrated and remembered the Lord, the breaking of bread. It has such meaning, such deep truth in it. And there's joy in that. There's joy in knowing who we are, who made us, why he made us, what he did to redeem us. And it's all because of his wonderful grace. So you can look at this thing, uh, these these chapters uh, of uh, Isaiah in a few ways. You can look at it and see God looking on the world and seeing there was no one to intercede on his people's behalf, so he came to the world and died and was buried and rose again and offers forgiveness graciously to a repentant soul who believes on the Lord Jesus. You can look at it It's God in his compassion and mercy even restoring us as believers who have maybe fallen into sin. We've stumbled in the streets. Father, we thank you that you know the end from the beginning and you alone have blessed us with all we need to navigate through this world until you return or take us home. Help us, O Lord, to be hearers and doers of your word, that you may receive all the glory and we may rejoice at your appearing. Amen.